Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 250, a timely replay of the Habitat Management Interview with Grant Woods. And I am your host and the guy who... And the guy who sent off his soil tests this past Monday so that he can know how much lime and fertilizer his food plots need for this coming fall. And the results are in. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But today, we are 219 days, 9 hours, 57 minutes, and 57 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So this past Sunday, after catching quite a few fish at the lake on my property down in central Alabama, fishing a donkey rig, and if you guys don't know what a donkey rig is, it's also called a double fluke, and if you don't know what that is, you need to go online, go on YouTube, and look it up. It is pretty darn incredible, but that's a different story for a different day. But after fishing and catching a bunch of fish, I stopped and dug some soil samples in my food plots on my property, sent those off to be analyzed, and I was really kind of surprised that one of my food plots does not need any lime at all. And then the other two need a combined two and a half tons of lime. And now these are not big food plots. Not at all. The smallest one is maybe a third or a fourth of an acre. I can't remember the measurements right off the top of my head. The largest one is almost one acre. And so you see what I'm working with here are not very big areas. But I was really interested to see because I'd never done a soil test down there. And when I would plant, I would apply some lime as I was planting. But we all know it takes a little while for lime to do its thing in the soil and raise the pH. So, and I also knew that not only was I putting the lime out too late, but I was also putting out too little lime. And I just never bothered to get a soil test. So this year I'm doing a little experiment and I'm going to sink some money into 
properly liming and properly fertilizing my food plots. And then I just have to say some prayers that we actually get some rain and the seed that I plant germinates. And I'm going to see just how well those food plots do as far as growing what I plant. And also if the deer come into those plots and use them more frequently than they did in years past. So it's a little experiment. I'll let you guys know how that turns out, how it progresses as it goes along. And I've got to tell you that I am slammed busy right now at work. I just thought that I was busy the past two weeks. I am about twice as busy as I was two weeks ago. And with that said, I'm going to be very quick today in my intro and outro. And I am working on playing my Vermont turkey hunt for you guys, but I just don't have the 8 to 10 hours straight in one week to put that hunt together for you. So I'm having to break it down over a couple of weeks, get that hunt together. My hope is that I'll have it for you guys next week. It's a pretty interesting hunt, and if everything goes well, you'll get to hear it then. If not, it might be the week after. But this week, because it is that time to start thinking about planting food plots. And I know some of you in some parts of the country have already started planting food plots. And I hope that you're keeping turkeys in mind as you're planting those plots. We're going to talk about some food plots today with Grant Woods from Growing Deer TV, who is an avid turkey hunter. And we're also going to talk about just general habitat management for wild turkeys, things that we can be doing year-round. So here is Grant Woods with Growing Deer TV, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey everybody, I am very excited today because I've got a special guest on the line with me who is going to talk to us about habitat management and a little bit about planning as well for wild turkeys. And I'm really excited about it because this is something that I'm starting to pay more attention to, not only on the property that I own, which, as you guys know who listen to the show regularly, is a very small parcel of property, but some of the things that I can do to help improve the habitat for turkeys on some of my leased properties as well. So I have on the line today Grant Woods, who is with Growing Deer TV. And Grant, how are you and where are you today? Hey, you know, I'm well. Thanks for having me, Andy. And I'm in Branson, Missouri. I live just north of Branson, Missouri. I'm from the area and went off to school at Georgia and Clemson. And then my wife and I found a piece of property for sale back here 15 years ago. And we've raised our family and live here. Awesome. That's fantastic. Well, hopefully the majority of the people listening to the show have been to your website or seen some of your videos on YouTube and are familiar with you. So you live there on what you call the proving grounds? We do. We okay. we we didn't have any money like a lot of young couples, so and we want some acreage, both farm kids and I'm I'm a wildlife biologist by training. We were living in <clears throat> excuse me in South Carolina, bring on about thirteen acres and wanted more acreage and when we returned home just to visit family, my wife happened to pick up a real estate guide and found what was basically an old burned out cattle ranch for sale and we were able to negotiate and end up buying that ranch. I mean, it was the bottom of the barrel. And, and mm -hmm. to really illustrate literally how bottom of the barrel it was, it's all we could afford. I walk a lot. I, I walk for exercise because I'm a kidney transplant patient and I have to keep my weight down and I don't want to go to the gym, so I go out and walk every day. So 
bought this thing. It's for a Google Earth course. And I had a topo map. And I get out walk every morning, learning land, and you know, just marking off the map where I walked. And in that first year, I saw one deer. I saw a tail going wow. around a cedar tree in in a year. Wow. And 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 to put that in scale, folks, we were on fifteen hundred acres, and I saw one deer. Hmm. So that's where the name, the proving grounds, come from. Because if the wildlife management techniques worked here. Rocky, overgrazed, high-graded timber, Ozark Mountains, it should work anywhere. And, and we have, after 15 years, of course, guys, we have hundreds of turkeys now and way too many deer and harvest large deer. And it's just really been fun to watch that habitat turn around. Yeah. Well, and not only fun to watch it turn around, but know that, that you are one of the driving forces behind that. Of course, Mother Nature has a lot to do with it, but you've been working hand-in-hand with Mother Nature to get it to turn around. So that's got to be very, very nice to, or very rewarding, I should say, to see that happen over the period of years. It has been, a, you know, it has been, and my family's been involved, and we've raised daughters doing this, so it's just been a, a great life. Yeah, good deal. Well, my next question was for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. I don't know if you got anything more that you want to go into detail with that, but also to tell us how you got into turkey hunting. Yeah, let's just go right to the turkey hunting. You know, I, I was raised on a farm about an hour from here, a small farm, and just always loved the outdoors. There were no deer in the county, and we quail hunted and rabbit hunted. And I, I still remember the very first deer I found, uh, someone had, had poached a deer, and I found it running my rabbit traps, little live rabbit traps one morning for school. I found this poached female fawn in one of our little fields. Went and got my dad, and it was cold. In the winter, we drug it up to the hog house, and he come up from work. We skinned it out, and... And I guess I started fantasizing, if you will, about deer, maybe being able to deer hunt someday, just seeing a deer. Yeah. And, and then there was turkeys in another part of the state, and we'd drive over there and turkey hunt and just, you know, just always was drawn to that type of stuff. And finally, they got turkeys restored in my area and could hunt a little closer to home. And then went down to Georgia and South Carolina to go to school. And, you know, boy, that's turkey, big-time turkey hunting down there. Those guys take it really seriously and sort of started calling with some of those guys and hunting public land down there and really competitive hunting and and just uh, really, really enjoy turkey hunting. Yeah, and you've got several videos on your website of your guys that work for you turkey hunting, but also you've got some with your dad in them, and I, I enjoy seeing those. Those are always a lot of fun. My dad got me into hunting, and so, you know, anytime I see someone hunting with their dad, like you guys hunt together, I just, you know, you can't help but smile when you watch Well, that, thank so. you. You know, my dad is 86. He's still my best friend. He was my best man at my wedding. And so, yeah, we get him out hunting all we can. He had a pretty bad bout of cancer last year. Seems to be recovering pretty well, and he's really excited. He tagged two turkeys this spring, and excited for deer season this fall. So he's he's really excited about that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I want to talk to you because a lot of people listening to the show are like me, and they own a little piece of land and those that don't own some land do lease some. And so I know there's some techniques that we can do to improve the habitat on those leased pieces of property, just like the ones that we have complete control over. So I wanted to talk to you about that. And really, I'm, I put these questions together and then I got to thinking, I said, you know, after I read back through them, I thought, I mean, I'm basically going to be asking Grant all about managing habitat for wild turkey so why not just pretend like it's one parcel like it Mm -hmm. would be if i were managing my little piece of heaven that i own in central alabama so let's pretend we have a thousand acres i'm sorry let's pretend we have a hundred acres i was getting real excited there i was going for a thousand acres 
And let's just say as hard as this is to do, because it's not exactly real world, and, and we'll dip back and forth in this real world versus what I would like. Let's pretend we've got a 100-acre island. Mm-hmm. Because I know we, when we have 100 acres and we're trying to manage that, we need to look at our neighbor's properties as well, don't we? We do. You know, turkeys tend to have pretty large home range. They move around a lot. They're, they're very driven by the, the most convenient food source. And, and, of course, brood habitat and nesting habitat are critical. So we want to consider all those factors. Yeah. And as much as we do need to consider them, those, what the neighbor's properties look like and what the neighbors do with their properties, we have zero control over. So, you know, that's why I kind of want to look at this like, all right, in the fake world, in our dream world of a 100-acre island where we have no neighbors, what would we like to do? And then we'll kind of dip into maybe what is the real world where we do mm-hmm. have neighbors on some of this. So let's take our 100-acre island that has basically not been touched, but we have some deer and we have some turkeys on it. For turkeys, how much of that 100-acre island would you say needs to be fields and how much would need to be in timber? Yep. Great, great question. You know, when I was a, a boy here in Missouri, we're skipped right into reality just a second. All the turkeys were in the southern part of the state, basically in the rugged Ozark Mountains where they couldn't be hunted out. Mm-hmm. And, and there were no turkeys in northern Missouri, no turkey season, no turkeys in northern Missouri. And as they started restocking the counties in southern Missouri and getting successful populations, somebody said, well, gosh, I wonder, is any chance at all they'd make it in northern Missouri? And they put some up there. And now there's way more turkeys in northern Missouri. And, and we've learned that Turkeys do great with, you know, 70, 80% open area and, and 10, 20%, 30% timber to, to roost in. Mm-hmm. And the really only thing turkeys are using that timber for is roosting, predator avoidance, blah, blah, blah. But they're making a living on the ground, as you know, all day long. That's where their food and cover is. And under a full canopy forest, there's not a lot of food or cover for turkey. That's not really good turkey habitat. And all right. the old, great southern turkey books written from chasing those gobblers back in the swamp, whatever. Those are great. I love reading them, but they're about chasing one or two gobblers and not like driving through Kansas and literally seeing a 1,000 turkeys in a flock, literally. Right. So op- open land is much more productive for turkeys than closed canopy timber. So, you know, if I had a small property, I- I'd want at least 50% open. And open doesn't mean, you know, bare ground, but it means a combination of, of nesting habitat and production fields and stuff like that. Okay. So then of that, say 50% that you've got in open or in fields, we'll, we'll put it that way, is there a certain percentage that you would turn into nesting habitat? Yeah, there sure is. You know, I, I think nesting habitat is critical, and it's so often overlooked because it's not hunting habitat. And they don't think about a food. It's almost like sanctuaries for deer. People want to overlook it. It's not as glamorous. Mm-hmm. And, and nesting habitat is something that's relatively thick, but needs some bare ground in there so turkeys and turkey poults can get around, you know, zero to two feet tall. Then, you know, 10 feet tall does a turkey no good. It's that right. first couple of feet off the ground. And ideally, it's just tall enough that they can periscope or look right over the top of it to look for predators and then duck back down and be totally concealed. Okay. And, and without good nesting habitat, that per- turkey population is not going to thrive and, and build up in population. They're, they're just going to be really vulnerable to predation and other factors. Yeah. Okay. Is that Nesting habitat, and I know we're talking about a small piece of property, a small parcel of property, relatively speaking, into a turkey's range, but is that something that you would try to manage with prescribed fire to, to maybe 
rotate an area out, you know, on a three-year rotation or something like that? How how are you going to maintain yeah, I, that? I'm not as worried about rotating out. I probably would, in most instances, use prescribed fire. We use it an awful lot here at the Proving Grounds. And if you think about it, if you start burning, especially at far south and late January, early February, you're going to have enough growth back to be great nesting and even brood habitat by nesting and brood season. We burn here every spring, and we burn early before nesting and brooding season. And, you know, those young early successional plants grow quickly. So ragweed, which, you know, sounds yucky, but is a tremendous turkey habitat type plant. It's, it makes what we call umbrella cover, thick on top, open underneath. Mm-hmm. So turkeys move freely underneath ragweed. Usually there's a lot of soft insects under ragweed, and turkeys make a living on soft insects. So it's great turkey habitat. And so that that fire can be used to bring back early succession habitat. And if you burn it early enough in the late winter, early spring, it's great habitat that year. I'm, I'm not missing a rotation. Okay. I don't want to burn late May or something because I'm going to be burning up some nests or poults or something like that. And, you know, another consideration is we want those areas to be large enough that a predator, let's say a raccoon or a coyote, can't just troll downwind of our of that block of habitat and smell all the turkeys in there. And we all know that a wet hen has a lot of odor. She's easy to smell. It's called the wet hen th- theory that predators, after if it rains a lot during nesting season, there's usually a real small hatch because predators just follow those hens to the nest so easy and disrupt the nest. Mm-hmm. So I, I like my turkey areas, you know, literally cover areas like that, 10, 20 acres, not 2 acres or 5 acres. I call those predator food plots. Yes, fawns will be born in there and turkeys will be born in there, but very few survival. And this research was actually done at Mississippi State. Back in the old days, SMZs or stream management zones were really popular and people would leave a small, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 yard buffer along a little stream, little streamlet and not cutting trees off there. And that's great for stopping siltation and real estate looks and stuff like that. But what happened is the turkeys would all leave the pine plantation, go nest in that streamside management zone where there was some thicker cover, and it's so narrow, any predator going on downwind side smelled every turkey in there and wiped them out. They just become predator hunting zones. Yeah. Yeah, and and they definitely catch on to that. I mean, the predators, they're making a living from doing just that, from preying on the, the critters that we like to chase. Oh, yes, like they're very efficient. Them. You know, just guys, just yeah. last week, or I think it was last week, week before, there was a, one of Wildlife Society publications, and someone had put some cameras on bears in moose habitat up in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And everyone always thought, you know, bears kill a few moose calves, but not that many. And, and, and these bears were averaging one point some odd moose calves a day. And within two hours, there was no sign there was ever a moose calf there. Everything was consumed. Wow. And so during the moose fawning season, an average bear was killing over 30 moose calves. Holy cow. Well, it didn't take a lot of bear to, you know, to really hurt a moose population in that type of predation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so, uh, and I may be nitpicking, and it's okay to say if I am. In these fields or open areas that we're going to have on our 100-acre island, is there any benefit to shaping those fields a certain way where we have more field edge? No, I don't think so. Actually, you know, ideally I would have... All right, that's all I've got for you guys for the free portion of this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. If you would like to hear the rest of this week's episode, then you will need to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. And in order to become a subscriber, all you need to do is text the word Turkey Hunter to the number 44222. Make it one word, Turkey Hunter. Make sure your 
mobile device does not autocorrect it and make it two words. Send that to the number 44222 and then you're just going to need to follow some simple instructions and eventually I'm going to send you via email a link that you can click on to create your username and password and to pay your $18 per year annual subscription fee. Your $18 subscription fee is going to get you not only the rest of the interview with Grant Woods about habitat management, but it will also get you the premium content for all of our past episodes, as well as the premium content for the next 52 weeks. It is a great investment at $18 a year, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. All right, I hope that you guys enjoyed the interview with Grant. I learned a lot in that interview with him, and going back and listening to it again for this week's episode was a great reminder for me on some things, and it helps just to solidify those things in my brain to hear it again. So I hope it's the same for you guys, and... Right now, I'm going to say, if you would, this week, do me a huge favor, I would appreciate it, and share this week's episode using the share button on your podcast player application to share this week's episode on your social media channels. That's Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, if you use that, whatever social media platforms you are on. If you would share this week's episode on your feed or your timeline using the podcast player share feature, I would be very appreciative. And now I have to say thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on Hunting Afternoon Birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.